Oh, you thought this was going to be a JoJo's episode, but no, it's really me, Extreme Skateboarding. This is the awesome cast. Welcome, everyone, to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And I'm Douglas. And that's us. So, Final Fantasy 16, it's real. Naoki Yoshida and his troop loves us. And we're getting a real game next year, hopefully, in the summer. But we just recently got a trailer they're calling Dominance, because it has a name because, of course, their trailer has its own name. That's how they roll. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Heaven's War 2. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, Heaven's War 2 looks so good. Like, I just watched the trailer for the first time, and, like, it just felt so intense. And, like, all the good things from Heaven's War, just, again, only slightly newly envisioned. Like, Shiva looked different. Yeah. I, I like uh, how all the summons look. <laughs> yeah. I like how all the summons look, too. Uh, Shiva did look different. Um, Rock, I, Garuda looked different. But, you know, basically all the same ones. I feel like the trailer is implying that now you are the summon. <laughs> huh, interesting. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, different powered peoples can bind themselves to different summons and they get to use their powers like i think our main character is probably using efreet and that's going to be his thing but like somebody else he has you know he's got the uh he uses the titan icon he can sort of become like titany so i'm guessing there's probably someone else who's shiva and and yeah. what and whatnot it's it feels like very uh almost possibly uh tokusatsu honestly yeah kind of like what if what if summons were uh ultraman yeah, like, you know, shit gets bad and you turn into a freed or Titan or whoever. Like, I don't know if these are good guys, bad guys. Sure, looks like we have all the summons fighting each other in the trailer, but that could be, like, right before you make them your buddy, for all I know. <laughs> and don't worry, Kevin. The Bravely system, or the Bravely series, still exists. <laughs> So you're going to get your turn-based combat some way, somehow, yeah. but am, it ain't going to be Final Fantasy 16. I am so... there. It, I, I feel like it's worth saying that I am so mad that the combat system does not resemble anything turn-based, as far as I can tell from the trailers, and yet, I am still incredibly hyped for this game. <laughs> I, I, I just really want it to be good. Like, I... I just hated. I've. Uh, I'm so exhausted from not liking Final Fantasy games, despite the fact that they were my bread and butter. They were the source of most of my creative channeling as a child. But you know, 13 makes me actively angry. 15 also makes me actively angry. Like 14 is really good. I'm still addicted to 14. Or I got unaddicted and then readdicted again. <laughs> but but at the same time, like. 14 and 11 kind of don't get counted along with the rest of the 
the Final Fantasy games because they're MMOs. So I really, I really just want the single player game to just be good. And I think it will be mostly since the core team of it is in fact predominantly alumni from Creative Development Division Three Studio Three, whatever. Uh, Naoki Yoshida's studio business division, whatever it's called, like a lot of the folks he had that worked on Heavensward, that expansion, they broke off after Heavensward and started forming the core of the Final Fantasy 16 team. Like, for example, one of Yoshida's like main assistant directors who really helped him up through Heavensward was Hiroshi Takai, who also worked on things like Final Fantasy V, The Last Remnant, and another game that someone I know particularly enjoys called Saga Frontier. Yeah. <laughs> he, the, you know, he's the main director for this, and he has worked for Yoshida since, you know, A Realm of Born and Heavensward. Uh, the creative director and original screenplay is by Kazutoyo Mahiro, who also, again, wrote the storyline for, like, Heavensward. Uh, the local... Localization director for this one is Mike, Michael Christopher Koji Fox, who's been more or less working on this, I think, like right as Stormblood ended and Shadowbringers began. You know, the art director is Hiroshi uh, Minagawa, who's also worked on like all the 14 stuff and all the character designs. That's why it looks similar. Uh, along with character designer uh, Kazuya Takahashi. The composer is freaking Masayoshi Soken, so he actually gets to say that he gets another mainline not MMO game, so people actually get to hear his music, which is awesome. He also composed a lot of the uh, tunes for Mario Hoops 3 on 3, which, because, like, so 14 made this, like, tweet, or, sorry, 16, haha, made this tweet about Final Fantasy 16, about all the creator creative people who are in charge of it, and I guess they didn't want to just list every single 14 expansion for Soken, so they had to use the other games he had worked on before he did every single 14, 14 and 14 expansion. But you're right, Kevin. They actually do have a new combat director, which is uh, Ryota Suzuki, who was the combat guy behind things like Devil May Cry 5 and Dragon's Dogma, and apparently also did work on Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So the combat is going to probably be much more Devil May Cry action combat-y, but they also yeah. got probably the best guy they possibly could to make that work and in memory serves they got a monster hunter guy to be in charge of the combat for um seven remake which was also very good yeah so it stands to reason this will also be very good because apparently uh square enix has learned to steal the correct guys from capcom i mean as long as you're stealing the right guys from capcom yes that's <laughs> Like, I assume that if they ever decide to do a adventure game, they'll steal the guy who does all the Ace Attorney games for, like, a game for, I don't know, an actual Hildebrand game. Why did I say that? <laughs> Why did I wish that into existence? <laughs> that an actual Hildebrand game. I'd be fine with an actual Hildebrand game. God, he'd, he would make, God that would, he would make a good one, too. Oh, oh man. <laughs> all right, all right. Now you okay. made yourself sad. Yes, yes. Now, 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 I'm right there along with you, Kevin. <laughs> You're wishing they were more turn-based. I wish they were more adventure gamey. Ah, if 
But I, I would accept a sing like as a single player fourteen like side game. Yeah, that would be Hildebrandt. <laughs> so, anywho's, if you would like to give us your opinions of Final Fantasy sixteen or anything else, you can head on over to our Discord. We've got one. People are there. People are posting stuff. Just recently, I actually put on the Pain Train, my my video clip show, for everyone online who wanted to view it. Uh, as far as I can tell, people generally had a good time. So that was great to hear. I think I might actually do more random panels on the Discord as time goes on. I don't know. It seemed work work well that time. Maybe I'll do it again. We've also got our Patreon, which... If you're listening to this, we've also now posted on the main feed, but also for our patrons at the $5 and up level, an exclusive brand new episode where we're doing, some will be longer, some will be shorter, but they're just extra awesome bonus episodes for those who uh, subscribe to our Patreon. The the first one is very exciting and and full of epic battles. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed it is, sir. And then also... We, uh, we've now uh, refreshed our T Public page, so if you want some awesome cast swag, uh, it's there for you. we got a couple different versions of the logo, some of the uh, podcast offshoots. I also made up a, a rainbow design because I have been bugged for, for a long time for a rainbow design. I finally made one that I liked and everyone else seems to seem to like it too, which is great. And you can have it. It's there for the purchasing. I like and it. If you do, you do that, a couple bucks goes our way. All right. Plugs out of the way. Kevin, hit us with your moment of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Gotta get the intro in first. It's, it's uh, true you do. You're, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. But, you but know. Continue. It has been a minute. Although I, I was honestly not sure what I was going to talk about. But then uh, Netflix solved my problem nicely by having a new show with lesbians. So Is that the was a uh, lesbian show. Yes, vampire lesbians. <laughs> the best kind okay. of... Le- well, a vampire lesbian. There's also a non-vampire lesbian. <laughs> uh, actually, honestly, given the show, there's probably more people who don't fit nice in a little happy heterosexual world either. But, hey, maybe season two comes along. But in any case, I'm talking about First Kill, which is sort of a Romeo and Juliet story... If Romeo was a vampire and Juliet was a vampire hunter, and they were both girls in high school. And also, uh, the Romeo and Juliet comparison is apt because they both also have a family. (laughs) There's like a family of monster hunters and a family of vampires, because this is a world where there's like at least two different kinds of vampires and one kind like breeds and reproduces normally like people, but make the kinds of vampires you're probably thinking of out of normal humans. But in any case, you know, they're just, you know, they meet each other at school. There's instant sparks. And by the end of the first episode, one tries to bite the other and the other tries to stake the, the vampire. Both of them mess up. And uh, before too long, they're falling in love, whether they want to or not. <laughs> what I would really like about the show actually is the dynamics of the extended families of the the hunter family and the vampire family and their interactions within themselves and with each other as their boundaries become a little more blurred. Uh, Particularly the moms of both families, I think, have really excellent performances. Um, If I have a nitpick about the show, it's like 
about episodes one through four, it has a vibe of the supernatural being a thing people are unaware of, or at least that's how I was taking it. But by episode five, it's like, oh, wait, no. People know supernatural things exist. They're just really rare or uncommon to the point where the general perception is that the show's set in Atlanta or Savannah, sorry, Savannah, Georgia. The perception is that Savannah has been like monster free for decades. But monsters are definitely a thing that exists in this world. <laughs> so it's that's a little weird. And season N1 ends on a really big cliffhanger, so Netflix really needs to greenlight that season two or I'll be mad. <laughs> Netflix has been uh, not exactly greenlighting everything right now. Yeah, but it, it's kind of got that uh, got a bit of the urban fantasy vibe, a little, a little bit of like the, the better end of CW shows or maybe the good parts of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know. Uh, it, it's Oh, it's based on a story by Victoria Schwab, who is a really good urban fantasy, young adult romance, supernatural romance writer. She's pretty good at these sort of stories. And it, like, I, it's a little bit trash, but you kind of need this kind of trash sometimes. It, it's, it's a really good bad pizza, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yes, that, it, it, that is does what make makes sense. sense. <laughs> like it's not that it's not trash; it's just really good trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but, Kevin. You don't have to defend your your vampire lesbian choices. I know, I know how you roll. You listen to me talk about what you listen to me talk about all the time. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it's weird. <laughs> Look, it, uh, you know, but I think there's more in value to the show than just the Kevin appeal. If we want to put it that way, but that's the real reason I started watching and probably the real reason I, I'll come back to a season two. <laughs> well, at least you have a chance for a season two. I'm going to talk about Hajime no Ippo, which <laughs> is a boxing manga slash anime that no one has bothered to license the manga in America ever because it's still going and it already still has a hundred it currently has a hundred and thirty four volumes and it ain't done yet um it's written by george morikawa about this young high school student who is constantly getting bullied but he really shouldn't be because he's actually buff as hell <laughs> because he constantly helps out on his mom on their rental fishing boat so he's constantly hauling all this like super heavy fishing gear and tackle and bait and all this heavy equipment so he's actually like just pre-naturally built and he's like built well he's got like you know muscles in all the right places especially to be a boxer and he meets this one guy who sort of saves him from the bullies and he's like yeah, yeah let me let me show you around my place. And it's, it's just this boxing gym. And he's like, man, maybe I can become a boxer. And he's like, no, nah, you have to do this, this stupid thing I'm going to tell you to do. That's a bad idea that no one's going to do it. And then the kid um, it comes back. Hey, I did the stupid thing you want me to do. And I didn't know it was stupid. You just told me to do it. So I did it. <laughs> and he's like, well, damn. I guess I need to introduce you to the guy who runs the gym. And become a boxer and so he does and the good times roll 
they do some really interesting things to really get you. It's done by Studio Madhouse. And so the animation is a very, very good. They also make some choices on how they, you know, uh, portray the boxing. Like, everyone sounds like when they're throwing punches, sounds like airplanes going off. Or when someone has a, quote, shotgun punch, when he punches, it sounds like gunfires going off as someone's getting hit. <laughs> they're, they, they really used uh, the, vin uh, the sound along with the animation to really, really, really hype up the actual actions of the fighting. And it really, and the guy who does the music is a guy named uh, Tueno uh, Imahori, who is also, for example, he is a member of Yokokano Seatbelts. And I remember watching, I'm rewatching this because uh, my pal Corey, who does the Taiku podcast, we're currently um, rewatching a bunch of this to talk about it later on in July. But, there, you know, there's still like 76 episodes and then some for the TV show. So I need to watch several episodes a day if I'm going to be ready by the time we actually record. I just noticed that the soundtrack, like not only when the shotgun punching dude is doing his shotgun punches, you can hear the light, gentle sounds of gunfire in the background. But there's also like this crazy like drum solo that's going on at the same time. So it's very, very raucous. And you can really sort of, while you're seeing Ippo just getting, you know, beat to hell and back, you really feel it not only through the sound effects, but also just through the soundtrack. And it's, I'm really enjoying rewatching Hajime no Ippo. It's, it's been a good time. It's still on Crunchyroll, so you can easily watch it if you are so inclined. It sounds like a, a manga that I've been reading and now I'm having to go look up the manga again and find out what its name was to see if it's the same one. The one I was reading, though, was labeled as a boy love, so... <laughs> I mean, you do learn that Ippo is hung like an elephant? Like, that is true, although there's not any actual boy love in it. Yeah, uh, the one I remember reading, like, I was frustrated because like not a lot of actual like explicit stuff was happening but that doesn't necessarily keep things from getting labeled as boy love especially if there's a lot of skinship so i'm, I'm... give me a second to look this up and see if and see if it, it is the same one hajime no ippo you said was the name of the yours yes it's it's in weekly shonen magazine so if someone's labeled this as bl boy have they really have they really grabbed from the, the rug <laughs> Yeah. There's not like a thing with a with like a weird cult in there, is there? No, at least not what I've watched. Okay. I'm pretty sure you have a different series you're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but I'm not so sure. Oh no, that's like not the same thing at all. <laughs> okay, no. No, that's that's not the same. That's not the same manga didn't, at all. <laughs> didn't think okay. so. Although, speaking of things, not the same thing at all, what you got. Oh, me. Okay, my turn. I wanted to talk about how amazing air conditioners are. Did you know that we live in a world with air conditioning? Where we can change <laughs> the temperature of the air inside the house, so it is not the blazing inferno that it is outside. I, I, I'm familiar yes, with although the sometimes... 
It can be hard because we live in Alabama, and sometimes the AC doesn't quite keep up. To be fair, not everyone in every part of the world has air conditioning, or even has it as a common fixture in their homes, even some places where they might need it. (laughs) Part of America's population boom is thanks to the air conditioner. We can now comfortably live year-round in places where it would normally just be too hot for people to live. And it's all thanks to the air conditioner, which was invented in 1901. By John Air Conditioner. By Willis H. Carrier. That sounds more like it, but, you know. (laughs) I was really hoping for Steve make air go cold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, like, I built a rudimentary air conditioner. Um, Very rudimentary air conditioner. Because it was so hot inside my house. Like, it was like 84 degrees in the house. Um, so I got a fan, and I got an ice pack, and this is where I made, like, the revelation, because I've done, I've made swamp coolers in the past, where you put a fan over a bowl of ice, and you blow the air over the ice, and that cools it. The problem is that in Alabama, that just increases the humidity, and that just made it, I, you just couldn't stand it, because it just added humidity to the air, and so, you know, I'm normally a swamp creature that goes around breathing breathing like this 80% moisture that is what is usually in our air uh but this time I said no I'm going to use an ice pack instead of actual ice and I put it above a grate above a bowl and set that in front of the fan and like it's so humid in the house and the difference between the hot air and the cold and the cold ice pack is so dramatic that even that water would just condense on the ice pack and then just drip down in like solid ice form into the bucket below and I would just continually empty that out. So I achieved both things. I both made it less humid and cooler when you were sitting right in front of that fan. <laughs> and I was very proud of myself. And then and then Barry got home and saw what I had done and he took me to Lowe's and we bought an actual air conditioner. But (laughs) (laughs) I was so proud of my rudimentary air conditioner. And now I have an air conditioner in our bedroom. So it it lowers the temperature inside the house down from 84 degrees. It got all the way down to 64 degrees in our bedroom. And we actually cuddled under the covers for the first time in like years. And because we were so cold and chilled thanks to this window air conditioner unit. Oh, I love air conditioning so much. Well, you know what else is cool? <laughs> Ice. Skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> Snow is cool. Snow is cool. He's a cool skateboarder in the anime <laughs> Skate the Infinity. Our topic for the this actual episode so we'll be right back to tell you all about it this is the awesome cast
And we're back. So, man, I was worried I would have to find, convince, I don't know, maybe Corey on Taiki or something, if they haven't already talked about it, to do a skate episode eventually. But no, I was finally successful in, in setting y'all down and making y'all watch just enough episodes of this show that it got its hooks into you. Yeah. And then I had to go and watch it all on my own. And I watched it both sub and dubbed because both have their features. And so I recommend everybody who watches it watch it first in one and then in the other. It doesn't matter which one first. I, uh, I have also. Out on a lot if you don't I have also dub. since watched the dub as well as the sub. <laughs> I admittedly, as, as the true uh, weeb sicko Philistine I am, or no, no, snooty, snooty guy, not Philistine, snooty guy. Uh, I predominantly did watch it. Well, I watched it all subbed a couple of times. I did watch some episodes dubbed, but I didn't watch all of it dubbed. Uh. So, what is Skate the Infinity? Well, it's by a studio. It's called Bones. Perhaps you may have heard of them. Like, there's a pretty good chance you've heard of them. They've done things like, I don't know, Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist. And My Hero Academia, Mob Psycho 100. Like, they do a lot of shows, a lot of really good shows. They they make a shows that uh, are animated a real, real good. And number six, which I feel is relevant to our discussion. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. This was uh, much like Sunrise, because they were actually a spinoff of Sunrise, as it were. Where Sunrise has like a bazillion different studios I believe Sunrise has only like five or six. Uh, this was a project done by Studio D, who are known for working on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood number six, and they also work on Bungo Stray Dogs. It was directed by Hiroko uh, Atsumi. She actually got to start uh, working on at Kyoto Animation. She worked as an animator on things like Full Metal Panic the Second Raid and Melancholy Hari Suzumiya. Her first directorial Big thing was free. And she also worked with MAPPA on directing Banana Fish. Again... I feel both of those are relevant to this show. <laughs> they are. They are. Uh, similarly, the it was written by Ichiro uh, Okuchi, who is really well known for being the co-collaborator of the script for Code Geass. I also feel that's really relevant to the show. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> uh, the animation producer is uh, Mari Suzuki, who is the person who actually leads up Studio D. The music was done by uh, Ryo uh, Takahashi, who has done things like The Vampire Dies in No Time. They also did the adaptation of Aka 13. They also did the uh, score for Skate Leading Stars, which might be the only remotely decent thing about that show. Uh, <laughs> that show is so bad. No, <laughs> Skate, in many ways, is, is everything good that Skate Leading Stars was not. Yes. <laughs> to put it succinctly, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I was really hesitant to get in uh, to Skate the Infinity. Uh, one big reason is 
you might look at this on its face and go, well, that's the exact kind of anime that Doug tends to like, so of course Doug is going to like it. But that obviously means you don't know me well enough, and you need to get to know me better, so listen to more episodes. Uh, (laughs) But I actually really don't like it when I'm Fujoshi-baited. I get really turned off by it really fast, and I took a look at this show, and I thought, I... I, this is a show that is trying to Fujoshi bait me. Um, and I was incorrect. I was incorrect, but I was not incorrect the way I was like, oh no, Yuri on Ice is going to be them Fujoshi baiting me. Oh no, they're actually a couple. Hooray! That is not what happens in Skate the Infinity. And yet I still feel that it is not Fujoshi bait. Like, there are definite some. Fujoshi bait elements in this show and I know that is also for a lot of folks to its benefit because there are um, a lot of folks that actually are still perfectly fine you just giving them the outline for them to then fill out their own fanfic or doujins off to the side (laughs) whereas you know Doug has evolved beyond such things. I was taking a stand against... Well, you also have to keep in mind that for every show that successfully Fujoshi baits, that becomes a turnoff to a lot of other people who otherwise would have liked the show. And I have also had Fujoshi bait appear as like a cover-up for actually good plot casting. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember what that one... Fujoshi bait show that was really bad was. Like, I can't even remember what it is, and people don't talk about it anymore, because it wasn't actually good. It was just like, the Fujoshi bait of the week. And I I feel like when, when studios get into that, like, it, it has the same danger that, like, Moe shows get into. Like, you you can look, they're still producing tons and tons of Moe shows, and a lot of them are garbage and nobody pays attention to them. And the ones that are actually good don't get as much attention as they should because of all the crap ones. Yeah. And so I was I was concerned that something like that was going on with Skate the Infinity. And I am very relieved that I was a fool to worry. I should have <laughs> just... I should have just let myself indulge in it in, in its full because it's it's got a lot going on. It's really it's it's got a lot going on under the hood that makes it really good. One of the things that I said to Basil like right off is that I'm not sure if the series was really helped or hurt by the fact that it's only twelve episodes long. Um because on the one hand, all the characters clearly have a lot going on beneath the surface level of who they are, but I worry that if the show had, like, uh, I worry that if the show actually had time to sit there and explore all of those characters and really go into it, that we might find that it's all window dressing, but in the context of a 12-episode series, they managed to convey a whole lot of kind of, a whole lot of things in a very short period of time. Yeah, I, I definitely feel this is one of those cases of a limited, you know, time, a limited palette, you know, limitations 
uh, beget ingenuity and yeah. interesting ways of presenting things to make the whole thing better than it could have been if they had just been given free reign to do whatever they wanted for however long they wanted. We like we we want to know more about these characters than we got because we like them. We like all of them, but at the same time, they crammed in a lot in what time they had. They gave us a lot of information about these characters. <laughs> well, as I was sitting there watching it for this review with like a critical eye, I started noticing all kinds of like little like one-off side comments that you can see later how that fleshes out and how it builds out. Um, and I know a lot of fans have written like long think pieces on just the tiniest nuances of things that characters do, and all of that's because the characters are so solid. And there's so much to them. But again, it all gets expressed very, very quickly as we focus on whatever the main thing is that we're focusing on. Yeah, I think this is very much a show where they put a lot of thought and effort and love into this show. They did not have to. It was not necessary for it to be an okay show. But they did it, and it became an amazing show because of it. For example... They managed to put in some really tight storytelling in it. Well, Well, even things like, for example, with Studio No Border and Thomas Romain, yet another person who really just constantly throws wrenches into Kevin's whole I hate France narrative, that doesn't exist, but he'll keep telling you that he hates France anyways. Wait, isn't he Canadian? Or wait, or is he actually French? I believe he's actually French. You uh, think I, I would know this? Guy. Yeah, a French animator. Like, I literally follow the guy's Twitter. Um, <laughs> I I hate France, I swear. <laughs> he designed something that a show that Kevin particularly likes, like Bashquash. Yeah. He developed the giant robots for that. He, he worked on things, I believe, like Things like uh, Carol and Tuesday, and yeah. he actually talked with the producer Suzuki, and she was like, "Hey, can you design skateboards for us on this show?" And they were like, "Sure." And so they, he, him, and his team got together, and they said they had the most fun developing the, the, all the different decals and styles that everyone has. So each ha- everyone has their own really individual, unique look, which really helps the characterization. But they also made sure, for example as well to make sure that you can make these skateboards in real life. I suppose with one obvious exception. (laughs) Okay. I don't think you could actually put an active AI into a skateboard and let it do its thing, but I'm positive that you could actually build a physical skateboard and take it to a skate park. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't actually have the AI board that changes shape. and. <laughs> okay, right, yes. But I bet if Soji Kawamori grabbed it, he could probably make it out of Legos. Probably. I mean, actually, yeah, give Soji Kawamori could actually probably show you how to build it in real life. It would just be absurdly expensive. Um... <laughs> but, again, that's just one example of just... The boards themselves are way, way more thought through than they had to have. Yeah. Um, so one thing that impressed me about the show, uh, what 
when was this made? Came out in 2021. It came out in 2021? Yeah, January of 2021. Okay, well, so a small known fact about um, skateboarding. (laughs) Or a well-known fact. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, a thing about skateboarding is that the the 2020 uh, Tokyo Olympics, which actually happened in 2021, was the first time that skateboarding was an Olympic sport. So, much like how... So, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Japan has a tendency that when it comes to the Olympics, like, somebody suddenly does really well at the Olympics, or they're really trying to promote their Japanese team at the Olympics, one of the things that they'll sneakily do on the side is make an anime about that sport and, you know, get the kids interested. I suspect heavily that that is what Skate the Infinity really is. Um, Is that Japan was going to have the skateboarding as an Olympic event in their Olympics. Meanwhile, they're still fighting this idea that a lot of Japanese people have that skateboarding is very, very dangerous. Um, so they need to make an anime that doesn't exactly help that message. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. I feel like if this was sort of a ploy to get the public interested in skateboarding, either it was, there were some wires crossed in outlines, because I feel like it would be more clean cut if it was. Or Bones just went, yeah, we'll make your skateboarding anime. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get people real happened. into it. <laughs> I think that's what happened, is I think Bones said, uh, said, yeah, we'll make your skateboarding anime, and and, and then didn't let the people... And they just ran wild, because that's who they are. They ran wild with it. Yes. <laughs> this sounds yes. very strong. Uh, hey, Mappo, can you make us a Rage of Bahamut anime series? And Mappo went, yeah, sure. We'll make a Rage of Bahamut series. Uh, he has a character designs. Cool. All right, we got it from here. <laughs> What's this game about? Uh, never mind. Our wheelbarrow of money has arrived. <laughs> well, I mean, two of the main characters. Uh, we start out with Reki just talking about skateboarding. Uh, we start in the first couple of episodes with Reki teaching, um, uh, teaching Longa how to skateboard, uh, and. Uh, we get introduced to Meow, who, uh, who is in the skate, the, the competitive skateboarding scene, um, and that's why I thought that it was trying to promote. Skateboarding. I mean, quite possibly it could it, be. I just feel like it probably went somewhere where they weren't really intending it. If that was the case, I think it went a little wild from their original goal. <laughs> well. I mean, it could have been a case of Bones as they were planning, because a lot of these stuff gets planned out, like, you know, probably years in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And so they knew that skateboarding was probably going to become an event in the Olympics. And it's going to be the first Japanese Olympics. That seems like an interesting idea for a sport to do an anime about. But Bones isn't exactly known for doing just a normal sports anime. Right. So, 
they bonesed it all up in the best of ways. <laughs> um, well, there's one of the themes that like Mio even touches on that, that's a really strong theme in the series is talking about how, uh, you know, you don't really get into skateboarding for the competitions. Yes, they're starting to have a, a competitive skateboarding scene, but most people who skateboard do it you know, because it's fun, and they do it because uh, of of all the camaraderie and the friendship that forms up along with it. Yeah, it's not really, it's not a thing you do because you think you'll make money off of it. <laughs> so the culture of skating in Japan, right, not right now, like right now it's it's changed from even when I was looking up, because when I was looking it up, all my articles were dated like two or three years ago. <laughs> But the, the culture of skating in Japan, it is a situation where skateboarding is becoming increasingly popular in Japan. They do it almost exclusively at skate parks or on riverside trails that expressly permit skateboarding because so many cities have gone out of their way to, uh, to restrict skateboarding. And so the fact that the whole thing is set in Okinawa also contributes to like some of the realism in the show because Okinawa does have a much larger skateboarding population than Tokyo and Kyoto do where skateboarding is practically restricted. Probably because a little bit more bumping into Americans in Okinawa. <laughs> There's probably a little well, more bleed through. <sighs> uh, it, it also has to do with population density. Like, the the law in Japan is that you're not allowed to skateboard on any road that is, quote, frequently used, ah. end quote, by, uh, by motorized vehicles. But like the reason that frequently used is quote is quoted so heavily, is because like frequently used can mean once a day. Like, right. If there's any chance that there's going to be a car coming, they don't want you skateboarding on that road. And I don't know, you and Basil haven't been to Japan yet, but you will soon. Um, and <laughs> then you will know the death glare that all the little old ladies give you when you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted, is to have little old <laughs> Japanese ladies mad at me. That's <laughs> no, they're, not, they're not mad at it's you. It's the they're dream. Just, they're just making sure you know that you're you're not doing right. Um, for me, it was walking around with a Coca-Cola in my hand. I did not realize that that was incorrect, but it is incorrect. So it got it got me stared at. <laughs> huh. Okay. But walking around just with a skateboard is also known to like incur that that same level of glaring from people going you know, you're not supposed to be doing that because there's people around you could bump into somebody it's disrespectful, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but at so, the same time, actually getting to skateboard is really freeing and there's a lot of people who are getting more and more into it, especially in Japan, especially as they started to release sort of this competitive structure for it, but that kind of, that still kind of conflicts with, uh, the skateboarding culture that already existed and which gets to what I noticed as being a huge theme of this, the series, they never outright say it, but if you look at every single character, every single character has some sort of conflict between 
the old school and the new school going on. And I ask you, so if all the old ladies are constantly looking at you with the stink eye because you're holding on to a skateboard, if you are a prestigious member of the Japanese government and society who's constantly being beaten down by your um, overbearing <laughs> ants for you to be and their perfect image, what do you do? Clearly, the solution is you buy some old um, broken down coal mines and you turn it into a weird uh, death race-esque skateboard competition and you call it S. Logically, obviously. I mean, why wouldn't you? Of course you would. <laughs> so, you thought there was going to be an original villain in this anime. But no, it was me, Dio! <laughs> but you don't even get to Dio at first. So, I think we're now about 50 minutes into this podcast. It's time to actually tell you the plot of what Skate the Infinity is. Yeah, it's where... only a plot, guys. There actually is a plot. It's not just people skateboarding and being pretty. Uh... <laughs> you got Reki who and, and Longa, and Longa is a guy from he's a uh, hey, he's a half from Canada. Hang on, Basil. You say you've got Longa, but uh, I, I think it's also worth noting that every character in this show has like five or six names. <laughs> like, At least except for Reki. Except for Reki. Weirdly, except for Reki. Is just Reki. Um. But Longa is also known as Snow. <laughs> and so Longa has just moved from Canada, Canada. to Okinawa. The beautiful fictional and, land of Canada. Right? And Reki and them, they sort of meet and they decide... Reki is... He competes uh, to the in the S races and so he decides to take Longa with him. And Longa, who is a super good snowboarder, is suddenly like, oh man, you've got a board, but it's got wheels. That's weird. Here, let me let me duct tape my feet to it. <laughs> he, and, he has some troubles at first. let's go <laughs> He definitely has some troubles at first, but a lot of his natural and well-trained snowboarding instincts do carry over somewhat. But it, it takes him a little while. <laughs> Literally, the first antagonist in this series is a skateboarding clown. <laughs> His name is Shadow. I assume he has a regular name, but I don't know what it is. He will be called Shadow for the rest of this podcast. But he is the skateboarding clown. Uh, and, you know, the show actually starts with a monologue from Reki. And then Reki going into a fight, uh, into a skateboard race with, with Shadow. And Shadow wins. And then we switch over to Longa. I feel like you could make a real argument. Well, I I feel like Langa is very much the main character of the show, but at the same time, Reki is arguably our viewpoint character. <laughs> you see, I would argue the opposite. I think Reki is the main character, and Langa is our viewpoint character. Hmm. I think they're actually both the main characters. I think they're both interchangeable in that respect, that you are meant to identify with one while following yeah. very intently the story of the other. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I guess really it's the story of them and their friendship. <laughs> oh my gosh, they are they are the perfect bros. 
because they they meet and they immediately click and start throwing out. It, it it's pretty immediate. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that not only does the opening slap, it is a very good opening, but the the beginning moments of them acting it, like dorks to each other, like Reiki's like, I'm gonna do this stupid skateboard dance, and Long is like, fine. I'm going to do my stupid skateboarding dance. And they're like, now we're going to do a skateboard dance together. Yeah, skateboarding. Go. <laughs> I actually interpreted that moment in the as Reki teaching Longa how to balance on the board. And he's demonstrating, like, yeah, do a little dance. And so Longa does a little dance. I mean, that's a logical interpretation. and makes perfect sense, but... <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Skateboard. Go! This, this show is very much one of those shows that does it actually give you a good idea what skateboarding actually is like physically? No. Does it do a great presentation? Probably how skateboarding makes you feel when you're skateboarding having fun? Yes. I, I do appreciate that the early episodes at least do kind of try to at least say the words out loud that this is hard to learn a lot of this stuff. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of practice, unless you're an absolute freak like most of our cast. <laughs> well, they even make a point to say, uh, which kind of reinforces the Japanese concept of what skateboarding is like, that it's, it is a little dangerous if you're not prepared to fall down and, and like scrape, scrape your knees and get cuts and bruises on your hands and, and maybe even break a bone or two you might not be prepared to learn how to skate. But but you should still be willing to learn how to skate because skateboarding is so cool! <laughs> uh, which, can I tell you guys my personal story of skateboarding tragedy? <laughs> Go for it. I have never been allowed to skateboard. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, my mom would not allow any of us to skateboard. And in retrospect, we did live at the bottom of a of a local mountain, and our driveway was a 45-degree angle. And Ooh. when it did occasionally snow, kids would come over to our house to slide down the driveway. So maybe it wasn't entirely unreasonable for her to say that I wasn't allowed to skateboard since that's the environment I had to skateboard in. But at the same time, yeah, I wasn't allowed to skateboard. Uh, and something happened like a few years ago and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally get a skateboard and I'm going to learn how to skateboard. And I ordered this. I, I sat there and I researched it. Like I looked up, uh, I looked up, like, to make sure I got a, a board that could actually carry my weight, uh, a board that w had wheels that were wide enough because I was I was still learning, uh, but also had, like, the right, the right millimeter because to go a satisfying speed, the right ball bearings, uh, and, and I really looked for one that I thought was pretty, too, uh, had a good grip, like, it was a good skateboard for a beginner. Um, and I ordered it, and it arrived, and I was so happy and so excited, and Barry looked 
when he saw me like holding it was like he looked like I had brought a loaded gun into the house. Oh. <laughs> he was just like, "What are you doing with that?" <laughs> and, and he, Thick tricks. He, he insisted that that had that that thing had to be out of the house. Like he wouldn't let it stay in the house. Oh, it no. was so dangerous, and I was gonna hurt myself with it. Uh, so we ended up giving it to my niece. <laughs> well, all uh, these kids—they they can bounce right back. Well, and so I look at like the time in my life when I was had the opportunity to get a skateboard. And I realized that was only a very brief window from the time I was like 18 to 28, like 10 years I could have gotten the skateboard and I just didn't do it. Ugh. Now I'm going to forever regret it. So don't be like me. Don't regret never having learned to skate. <laughs> Learn how to skate. Do it while you can. Before yeah, the moms, the, the berries get you down. Yeah, I, know. I, I I know I have balance issues, and that's just not gonna. It's a little late to be learning now. <laughs> oh, I can't even put. I can't even ride a bicycle or roller skates. I ain't gonna try a skateboard. Yeah, you crazy. No, I'll stick to playing Tony Hawk. Now, admittedly, I did like rollerblade pretty intensely as a kid. So, I mean, I guess, and I did like do ice skating and and roller, yeah, inline skating. So I guess I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's still that's still skates that, that you're skating just not on a board right 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 the board's your feet right so that's that's my sad skateboarding story <laughs> oh. I mean you could have me a sad skateboarding story where they you know were, were too good for their friends and their friends got mad at it yeah well what his friends say is true. Like, it's not fun to play against somebody who wins all the time. Like... Yeah. Like, uh... Our friend James was actually always really good about that. Uh, you know, James is super into fighting games, and James is super good at them, too. But, you know, he would let... Like, he would sit back and and, and let us win some, because, you know, it's more fun if we win sometimes. But then we would start talking too much shit, and then and then he would just like yeah. destroy us. <laughs> it's also hard to learn to get any better at something when you're up against somebody who's like ridiculously above you. If yeah. they are, if like they can't dial it back a little for your sake occasionally, <laughs> mm -hmm. like it's hard to learn to get better because you're always just overshadowed. Meanwhile, for some reason, for fighting games, I have no qualms constantly throwing my head against a brick wall and constantly dying no matter who I play against. It's still fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so in episode one, uh, they make they very strongly make the connection that snowboarding is basically like skateboarding, and snowboarding is well-respected, right? So skateboarding should be well-respected. Uh... But then in episode two, they go into the great detail explaining that skateboarding and snowboarding are not the same. They're yeah. not the same things. There are a lot of, like, physics differences between the two things. It's not as simple as Langa just needs to learn to strap his feet to the board 
the way the board yeah, actually the wheels moves are different. wheels change things. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure how I I wonder how practical it is, but I, I do like how Recky does try to make the custom board that can emulate his snowboarding style as much as possible with its weird little rotating wheel sections. <laughs> it's it's creative, but I don't think it would work as I don't think in real life that it would work as well as uh it it does in the anime. But yeah. that there are a lot of things that you can say about that. It's willful suspension of disbelief. Yeah, unless uh, you're a hyper genius like Snow <laughs> or Joe or Cherry Blossom. Yeah. To be fair, all our our most of our core skating heroes are absolute maniacs who in some way or another are just well off what normal humans can do. <laughs> so talking about what normal humans could do, let's talk about how many times Langa absolutely eats it in episode two. <laughs> Because before he can be the skating like Jesus, he has to he has to eat it. Because you're go if, if you're learning how to skateboard, you're gonna eat it. And so episode two is just scene after scene of Longa just absolutely. Well, you know he's gotta he's gotta eventually learn how to skate right. You yep. can't just it's keep kind of like <laughs> it reminds me of that movie version of All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> where you got to watch Tom Cruise just like die and die and die and die and uh, die. Yes. The Tom yes. Cruise death montage. Best part of the film. <laughs> so the answer is seven, by the way. Nice. Well, I, I do love that the ending for this show is you watching everyone beef it. Yeah. On their tricks. Like there is no one in this show who, no matter how hyper crazy awesome they're good at this no matter what maniacs they are on their boards they they still will eat pavement it doesn't matter you're on a skateboard you're it's an invitation to get hurt i do appreciate the the ending credits montage yes with everyone just messing up somehow <laughs> to varying levels of pain but <laughs> Also, the eye catches in between, in the middle of the episodes, are kind of a mix of people succeeding and failing, but are always very silly and amusing. And so the the general gist of this show is the adventures we're having with, you know, Reki and Longa doing their skateboarding thing and learning to become bros while also skateboarding, Longa learning how to skateboard, and also the whole... S runs that are ran by everyone's favorite character, Adam, but also you meet other larger than life characters like Joe and Cherry Blossom, but also Mia, who also does not have a name. Like it's just Mia or Mia. No, no stage it's name. He's Chinen. just Mia. It's Chinen. I thought that was his last name. It may be his last name, but it's like his normal name is Chinen. But. Mia kind of also sounds like cat noise, and he has like a little cat hoodie and a little bit of a cat motif going on. <laughs> yep. And a real real thing for JRPGs. Yeah. So he's the most relatable character. Wait. 
<laughs> well, again, you know, Reki and, and Mia, they're the two characters that don't really have a real skateboarding name. It's just their actual names. And they're the closest we have to, like, quote unquote, the normies who are just I, good at skateboarding. I found that I think I am the most like Sakura. Um, including being slightly irritated with the fact that I think I might be the most like Sakura. <laughs> the cherry blossom? Yeah. I I think I actually enjoy him the most, like the comments he makes. <laughs> like, because we're into all this traditional shit, but at the same time we clearly love the technology. Um... As I said, all the characters have, like, an old-school versus new-school dilemma going on. Yeah. Uh, even if it's never brought to the forelight, uh, you know, Joe and Sakura kind of represent uh, the old Japanese skate skateboarding culture, uh, whereas, uh, whereas Nia clearly rec uh, represents the modern skateboarding culture, and Longa and and Reki are kind of in the middle of it. <laughs> kind of want to put Shadow and Adam in the mostly old school crowd too, but yeah, well, it, it it's kind of a sliding scale there, I think, and everybody just fits somewhere. Everybody fits somewhere along that line. I don't know. I think Shadow is he's sort of his own thing. Is really he just. He really wanted to be in a voice Kreutz anime, but instead he's in this anime and he's the Joker. Oh, and that's the thing about this anime that I think is very important that everybody who hasn't watched the show yet but is thinking about watching the show understand. And I can't believe I waited until now to say it. The thing about this show is that half the characters think they're in a sensitive sports anime about a real about a real sport and so they're very dedicated in trying to teach you how how to really do it and and what like the real uh like technical terms are and how to get into it and then the other side thinks they're in a fighting anime <laughs> and there is very little in between on those two subjects and no one really really personifies that aspect of the fighting battles shown in anime than Adam. <laughs> Who was the character I knew. I absolutely knew I had to make y'all watch until we unveiled Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was watching it and I was kind of, I was grooving with it. It was okay. And then Adam showed up and all of a sudden, like, the anime just went, like, absolutely insane, and I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off. Like, I think what I just kept repeating over and over again is, he's a lot. That, he's a lot. That's a lot right there. And he is. Adam is a lot. Uh, like, oh my gosh, like, just unpacking Adam is... Oh my, oh, uh, there's so much going on. There's just so much going on with Adam and, uh, like, okay. 
So. I, before we really get into Adam, that I'm pretty sure we're going to pretty immediately hop into spoiler territory. Yeah. And so I will explain that essentially it, it doesn't hurt. They, they got uh, Takahito Koyasu to voice act for him. They essentially took the, the, the whole concept of Jojo's Bizarre Adventures Dio and gave him a very, very flourishing matador look. Uh, and he also reminded me of Akio, which would, when I said the thing, like, it was me, Dio, I was actually thinking of Akio from Utena. Which is weird, because that's not who he plays in Utena. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not who he plays in Utena, but it's like, it's like if Dio decided to be Akio, that's Adam. He also weirdly looks a lot like Lancer from Fate Stay Night, but has a personality <laughs> oh, does, more in line he? with Gilgamesh. Oh, but his personality is more in line with Gilgamesh. <laughs> oh, okay. So, he is the most over the top. He is the most extra in a I, show full of extra people. <laughs> I will go on at length to describe for you how extra he is if you want it, because he is so extra. Uh, but uh, again, we're getting into spoiler territory. Let's let's follow so Basil's let's, lead. Well, we're going to go. We're going to take a break, and we're going to spoiler territory. Yay! So we're going to be spoilers. right back with spoilers for Skate the Infinity, an excellent anime with Studio Bones. This is the awesome cast. <laughs> Back, extra, extra, Adam all about it, because Adam's that extra. Oh, he he is extra. He is extremely extra. Okay, so where do you want me to start in this breakdown of Adam? Because I feel that that's what I was leading up to, is that I I think I need to start, like, breaking apart all of that. (laughs) He's the mysterious mysterious organizer of this whole everything. So I think the first thing to under we we know vaguely who Adam is. Um we first need to acknowledge that what Adam is doing is not okay. Adam is hur- Adam is hurting other people. So you're saying that he buys abandoned mines <laughs> and turns them into death race courses. So that when he races people he finds remotely interesting, he can race them, then savagely beat them down with his board or himself so that they are too injured to continue skateboarding. You're telling me that's that's bad? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's bad. So we first need to acknowledge that that is bad. But now that we've acknowledged that that is bad, let's take a step back and see that before he himself crossed the line and became an abuser, because that's what he is now, um, 
before he became an abuser himself, he himself was abused. We see in several flashbacks that or he has these three aunt, these three aunts who put incredible pressure on him. He has a high-paying job as part of the Japanese as part of the Japanese government where he answers directly to people who are on the diet and there's no room for error in his life and things are not going well for him at this particular moment in time in his real world job. Things are going yeah. very bad for him. Uh they they never come out and explain fully what's going on in his real world, but something has gone wrong. There's but, some corruption yeah. or scandal. The police the police are investigating his immediate boss for something that is heavily implied he's directly involved in. <laughs> yeah. And and he has these three aunts who are are clearly just like putting an insane amount of pressure on him to 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 do like what is most expedient politically expedient for them and their wealth and yeah. has several whenever we flash back to Adam's past we flash back to a moment where he's being abused like we we see those three aunties like literally like uh like hitting him like uh they're hit they're hitting him with like a eraser on like a ruler on the wrist but they're doing so to a point that's leaving like welts and wounds on his arms and then telling him we're doing this because we love you that's why he's got this conflated idea of what love is is because he himself was abused and traumatized and has grown up into an adult male who his only idea for how to go about interacting with other people is that very same process. And so that is what he is doing. And it's not cool. It's clear he skateboarding <laughs> is his only outlet at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has this other, he has this subservient character who's clearly like his uh, secretary or personal assistant. Um, who he calls Dog a lot. Again, he has some real name, um, and when the secretary inevitably joins the race, like, he, he puts his name in as Snake, which still actually fits with the... Because he's the a dog. snake in the grass. Well, it, it, that's why he picks the name Snake, but it really has more the connotation of, like, the dog that chases the snakes away. <laughs> in my So opinion. it's got... It's got layers. Yeah, it's got layers. Like a snake skin. But they've known each other. It's, it seems like they've known each other most of their lives. They were, they knew each other as children. He was like a child of a servant who worked for Adam's family. And so they grew up together. And he's the one who taught Adam how to skate initially. <laughs> yeah. So we've got the so we've got the whole class dynamic and it also I think it was a really traumatizing moment for Adam when Adam's father found out that Adam was skateboarding and threw away his skateboard and like yelled at him and Adam was desperately hoping that Dog would speak up and defend him but Dog didn't and and I think cuz his dad was a gardener and he didn't want his dad to get fired yeah. Yeah. 
I think, and so Adam, I think, has a lot of uh, issues with that still. I think that was even more tra- traumatizing for Adam than, like, you think because on its surface that doesn't sound that bad but that was probably just one incident of like a lot and we see in the show that like in flashbacks that adam used to skate all the time with cherry and joe they used to be a little cool trio of skaters who were Uh, having good times and skating and being awesome (laughs) uh uh Cherry's beef with uh with Adam seems to be largely around the fact that Adam just left them behind and Joe's kind of just chasing along because Cherry's chasing along. But then when Joe figures out Adam's actual deal, he doesn't think it's cool anymore and wants nothing to do with him. And that plot thread did never really got resolved in the show and they're going to have a season two, and I'm, I think that's probably what they're going to focus on, or at least that's, like, an area where they have more to explore. Yeah, well, I've also noticed this, uh, aside from, well, poor Shadow, everyone in the main cast is sort of set up in sets of twos. Yeah. Where you've got Adam and Snake, or Dog. You've got Cherry Blossom and Joe, who are like, so obviously like the the there to be the 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 traditional fujoshi bait like they're that's like their job like (laughs) like yeah is is there so for those folks who want that it's there for them and you don't have to look too hard um yeah they can be plays up the dove plays up the sexual tension between them it does sexual between them in in the in the subs too like it's it's played up like more. they can literally be in the same room they're both surrounded by female hangers on and they're both just completely focused on each other <laughs> you've yeah, got uh, basil was saying it was like the original sanji zoro dynamic <laughs> but like done in the most perfect way anyone can and so you've also got Reki and snow You've also got the weird Snow and Adam. And then there is Mia, but remember, Mia also has his own friend who Mia feels was abandoned by. And in fact, the show sort of wraps itself up partially by Mia's friend finally acknowledging Mia again. And you, there might be something there to that. That could be cool. Oh. And I... Again, then, then there's also Shadow, but whatever. You're, you're, you, you were one gotcha game away from being the Joker, so who cares? <laughs> Shadow's the guy who drives people everywhere when they don't have a car. <laughs> a position he seems to hate, yet seems to keep being the chaperone of the younger characters in spite of it. <laughs> he's, but he's a total he, like softy, is what they is what they reveal. Yeah, and and, yeah. He, and his whole Joker persona or Shadow persona is just his way of trying to lash back out at the world with his, like, you know, tiny, you know, firecracker and smoke bomb explosives. And so he's a much, much more uh, Adam in miniature in that respect. Mm-hmm. Whereas Adam is clearly like the advanced stages <laughs> of insanity. And in only the best possible ways, 
but it started when he was as just escape buddies with with Cherry Blossom and Joe until it got to the point where he started moving past them and that's when he really started, you know, becoming ultra abusive because he couldn't find anyone that was as good as him and so he, his only way of being mad is to lash out. I was very delighted when I watched this anime and I came to the realization that Japan thinks Canadians are even more polite than they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and they're really into poutine. Like, uh, Japan apparently thinks that Canadians are even more polite than the Japanese. <laughs> As Adam presents L Longo with this big bouquet of flowers and Longo's response is just, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was so good. So, as the show's going on, while it starts off with Longa slash Snow beefing it real, real bad, and, you know, it really gives Reki like, oh, man, I'm not the worst person in, in the group right now. This is great. Snow very, very, very quickly moves on past, well, everybody. Except for Adam, because... He is the one person who's potentially as good as Adam, and Adam was like, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, Adam really wants that Canadian boyfriend. Uh, the Canadian boyfriend just isn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Longa is clearly excited by the prospect of getting to skate against somebody really, really good, like he just continues to get more and more excited about skating against better and better people. And he doesn't understand why Reki doesn't understand that. And Reki also is not catching that, that Longa isn't, isn't scared of skating against these people that Longa's having fun. Um, and when he does figure that out, he then has to deal with the conflict of, you know, having taught somebody how to do the basic things that has now surpassed you. And he's got a real fear of being left behind. And that's very relatable, I think. Yeah, it, it's a lot of ways the Mia story. But somewhat in reverse where we are now seeing it in a, in a way from Mia's friend. Mm -hmm. Where they are now seeing, you know, this the skill difference drift apart. However, the big solution that Reki has, I feel, is, is twofold. One that is where I became in fighting games where, no, I'm not doing this to be just the best. I'm doing this because the act of it is fun and I can still have fun with my friends. My skill level is not as important. Well, it also takes Reki a real long time to figure out that his his real talent might not be in like doing the tricks or going super fast, but his real talent is is with the deck building. Yeah. It's you true. Know? It's what's what allows him to also still be just as much as a maniac <laughs> as the rest of them. Just well, he could be a maniac at building the boards. Well, I mean, it starts out so subtly, like it's it, it it's so baked into who he is. 
that he just helps everybody get the best board that they can get, that he doesn't even think about it as being something special. Uh, but, you know... And, and I, I do like how the show does take an effort to point that out, that... Uh, well, it points it out by the end of it, but it does yeah. take the care to point it out that it kind of gives it a message that if there is a if there is a sport or there is a hobby that you are super into and you get to a point where you realize that you're not the best, it's still okay to keep enjoying your hobby because you enjoy it. You don't need another reason other than the fact that you enjoy it to stick with it. And also, you might not be recognizing your own talent, what you actually yeah, are talented at. Because Recky, we've established that Adam is a much better skater than Recky, but in the next last episode, Recky almost beats him just because of careful planning and that he built his board for a situation he hoped was going to happen and did. <laughs> that gave him an advantage. What I found really interesting, especially in the final episode, where they really introduced the concept of being in the zone, which is a very common, common thing that can, is in anime, especially sports anime. Sports anime um, treats it like a power-up a lot these days. <laughs> no, I remember, and so like, that was like the whole thing of Ice Shield was that Senna could see the way to move through and like they would draw it well i think another really popular one in the and very more recently very more recently that's great words me very more recently. in more recent years kuroko's basketball is an excellent yeah. example of characters who would get quote in the zone and their eyes would suddenly glow and lightning would come out and they would become super powered basketball players, even more so than the basketball wizards they were previously. And they could just do things that even the wizards couldn't do normally. Basketball wizards is such a great way to describe Kuroko basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but in skate, it, it's it's a more of a double-edged blade where they're really focused on going real, real, real fast, which would be fine if it was a traditional course and not like the extra broken parts of the coal mine. If it wasn't like or a death mine or whatever. course. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, this is the extra death race course. This is the original. Adam is really yeah. angry. This is the one where they went, that, wait, wait, the death race has too much death. We need to close this course. We need a different route. <laughs> we need a slightly gentler death course. That, we just want uh, this people one, breaking bones. We don't want them actually dying. Adam's right, like, wait, right. what? We what? <laughs> <laughs> and... And Longa decides to, he makes the conscious choice of, you know what? I'm not going to be in the zone. In fact, being in the zone is bad. And in fact, Adam, I'm going to show you that you don't want to be in the zone. You, in fact, want to just skate. Isn't just out on all the fun ice? being in the zone. Yeah. All the fun's out of the zone, man. <laughs> <laughs> being in the zone is for losers. Here, we're winners. We stay out of the zone. After he has That's a vision right. of his dad asking him if he's winning, son. Uh, yes. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, oh, this anime is so good. And right. it's already been 90 minutes. We got to yeah. start getting uh, I love, questions. It's such a minor thing, but I love the little that right before he gets out of the zone, he sees the bottom of his own board where Reki had put fun under his little Yeti that he already had. And that's like what makes him like, yes, skating is fun. <laughs> and oh, not yeah. fan. but yeah that again slides back to its reoccurring theme of like it's you're supposed to be viewing this to be having fun um I think it offers a counterpoint to one of the big takeaways of Yuri on Ice which is one of the big takeaways of Yuri on Ice is that it takes a lot of people to support you going into a super competitive dream and, and and you need a lot of help to do it uh this skate the infinity seems to have more of a take of yo competitions are lame bro <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just have fun ultimately if you're not having fun why are you doing this <laughs> yeah uh which i i don't know i really liked it as a counterpoint <laughs> An, a, actually, a real good anime to... It's a very different, more traditional... I say traditional. Uh, this is a Masaki Yuasa anime, but uh, Ping Pong the Animation <laughs> um, tells a different... It's the inverse. It is the one where, hey, maybe trying to compete, maybe you have the talent, maybe you should use it to be the best... Maybe competition's actually a good thing. You should strive for it. Is more of its thing. So, which I think both both ideas have merit. I am very much more of a no, no man. I'm just doing this to have fun. I know a friend of ours, Adam Perry, is much more in the competitive side of things. Both ideals can exist, and they both have their merits, and they're both good. But I'm really glad that Skate can really show you, hey, it's cool to have fun. So now I ask y'all, is it cool to take a quick break and come back with questions? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think I think I'm ready for questions. Cool. All right, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Awesome Cast. <laughs> back with questions from internet listeners like you about Skate the Infinity. This first one is a little bit of a story. Corey, my pal over at the Taiku podcast, wanted to bring back, quote, this classic for awareness. So that was Corey at Impassionate K wants to bring this back. Helen at Wandering Dreamer, who I believe is Corey's co-host, to his Manga In Your Ears podcast, did mention back in March of 2021, Adam just needs to go to a gay club and get laid already. Sadly, really his does. Sadly, <laughs> his position as a prominent political figure really precludes him from going to gay clubs. And that then, is, but, he wants to get reelected. <laughs> but, but that is largely Adam's problem, is Adam just needs to get a dick. 
uh, like he's maybe on an awkward. island. He, he's <laughs> he he's he he clearly is interested in in men. He clearly has a lot of like backed up sexual tension. Like he needs to just get fucked. And you know maybe hiring a prostitute would not be a bad idea for him. Or <laughs> as Isandra mentions. And I think this is the real trick is that Corey was this all leading up to this joke. Isandra mentions someone introduce him to Grinder and tell him it's a skateboarding app. <laughs> <laughs> no, do not do that. He will kill so many people. Uh, what, he really, <laughs> what Adam really needs is therapy. Adam needs a lot of therapy. He does. It, it's true. <laughs> he needs to distance himself away from his abusers and therapy. Lots of therapy. And also to get fucked, but getting fucked isn't going to solve his problems long term. <laughs> but this might make him feel, it might just help him, you know, let off a little steam initially. <laughs> I, I will say that the moment at the very end of the first season where they suddenly just have Adam drop out of a helicopter to crash their barbecue was the moment I realized when I was playing Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker. You know what? I can't, I can't keep saying it. I can't keep saying it. That's spoilers for Endwalker. This is not that episode. Um, there's a moment. There's a moment in that, in that expansion that really has strong, that Adam jumps out of the helicopter to go try to once again nab himself a Canadian boyfriend. <laughs> that... Was very, very good. Tobias, at Reverend underscore Tobias, what he says is, You're in charge of making a Tony Hawk Pro Skater style video game based on the Skate to Infinity franchise. What mechanics do you add to differentiate your game from other skating games and win Game of the Year from Jeff Keighley? Well, I know you better be able to skateboard down a mountain. Did you ever like the side of a mountain? <laughs> so there was a there was a one piece uh there was a one piece game on the GameCube. Uh Basil, do you remember what that game was called? No, I I remember it. we played it so much. We I bought a a mod disc or an import disc that would let you play imports with it just so we could play this one piece game. It's like yeah, a bunch of different so mini games. Uh, it was so good. Um, but you know, you have you you'd have an arena. You'd have multiple te- You'd have multiple two person teams on the arena because I think that the two person teams is a very important aspect of Skate the Infinity that they never openly acknowledge, but it it's it's clearly built in. Um, so we gotta have that in our video game. And we have, again, like I said, like a battle, a battle arena where there's got to be at least, um, you know, I probably want to say four, four teams max, four players. I think eight would be too confusing, especially since everybody actually has two characters. So uh, just, just eight, just a four person game. Uh, Everybody has two characters and you have to capture a flag is how I would distinguish it 
like a single flag among all four and, and take it back to your base and then defend it. It was One Piece treasure battle. That's it. But yes, One Piece I would do battle. that only with skateboards. I think a skate the infinity would be much more of a skateboarding equivalent of like more like an SSX tricky type of sort of thing where it would be since you're not doing your traditional skateboard, you might have like a skateboarding mode where you can just go skateboard like in, in parks or whatever. But the main mode would probably be like actual tracks since we also know that there are multiple courses in the abandoned mines where the S takes place. And so it'd be like a legit racing game, but everyone would also have like their own probably like special moves that you could do. Like for example, shadow would have all his explosives. Uh, Ranga would probably have like crazier flips or what have you. Uh, Reki might have like multiple boards that he can make use of. You'd have something with cherry with, you know, um, Carla, the AI, Joe with, you know, his strength abilities and Adam with his matador, like, you know, love me, hug me, whatever. I'm going to kill you things. And the, the, the trick is probably going to be you're, you're skateboarding down the track and, you know, it's it's a racing game with crazy powers, sort of like a uh, SSX meets like twisted metal sort of thing. I just want to be jumping off mountains. That's all I want. <laughs> That's uh, definitely the best part of Skate Infinity. It's when they jump off the side of a mountain. <laughs> well, I think it would be really cool if you actually made, like, one of the game modes in, like, Basil's actual race idea is actually a non-race idea where you actually are skating the infinity. And it's just, like, an infin uh, infinite track generator. That just goes on forever and ever and ever, like tumbling downhill, like forever. <laughs> like, kind of like a runner, but it's a skater. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Austin at Bebop Shock. You know, Bebop as in Cowboy Bebop and Shock as in You Are Shock. Of course. Skate was directed by Hiroku Itsumi, director of Free. Pitch the plot of a crossover movie. Sex. I feel like it would involve surfing. <laughs> okay, no, no. What's going to happen is, all right, here we go. We're in the mountains of Japan where they're doing lots of snowboarding. And Reki and Snow are there with the crew, Mia, Joe, Trey Blossom, all, all, all our friends. Uh, Shadow probably drove them. And they're there to finally try snowboarding because Reki's never snowboarded before. And Snow wants to show him just like how Reki showed Snow. And while they're there, the Iwatobi High School is taking a retreat. And so that's when like Makoto and Nigisa and Rei and Haruka, they all meet our skate boys with the free boys and it becomes this, like, friendly competition about snowboarding that Ranga's not allowed to play in because Ranga's already too good and he's really, ma really mad about it. <laughs> um, I do like the idea of a snowboarding episode in Season 2 of Free 
uh, not uh, not a free uh, season <laughs> two of Skate the Infinity, but I think for the crossover episode, uh, for or the crossover movie for Skate the Infinity and Free, I I think Kevin is right that it needs to be it needs to be surfing. That is true. That would be really good. Like uh, it, they, although they I'll accept the snowboarding if at some point one or more of the free boys rips their shirt off and then starts swimming through the snow somehow. <laughs> <laughs> in I mean, violation why not? It's of water. In violation of all logic and reason. Uh, I mean, why not? It's water. Maybe shark guy. Be shark guy. I believe Ren. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel uh, like you could work swimming shenanigans into a surfing story better. <laughs> um, and, and you could pretend to set everyone back on a more even keel because, oh, none of us have surfed before. This will be weird. <laughs> Longa is still just amazing at it just, be, you know, because. Yeah. Or you make it more realistic. Oh, I've surfed once or twice, but it's been a while, you know, or something. But... <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, I can't get my mind out of the gutter on this one. Like, I wish I could come up with a actually viable idea, but I don't think anything beats surfing. I think surfing is just the way to go. Well, there you go. And you know what? If you've got trash ideas, it's fine. Kevin has his, like, you know, vampire girlfriends. <laughs> You can have your swimming skateboarding boyfriends. It's cool. <laughs> no, I'll keep my ice skating boyfriends. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can have it all. In fact, Austin, <laughs> thanks. Should the sequel be called Skate to Infinity and Beyond? <laughs> I still think the sequel to Blood Blockade Battlefront should have been Bloodbath and Beyond. But oh well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, I think it should be just... called uh, SK9. It's <laughs> <laughs> K9. Skine. <laughs> no, wait, wait. It should right, go right to SK10. SK10. Skip 9. Go right straight to 10. Or maybe SK11. <laughs> Slevin. There we go. Slevin. Straight to 11. <laughs> That's skate okay. a left to indicate there's a higher level infinity than previously. That's a mathematics joke. <laughs> uh. All right, folks, give skate, it to me. Skate the uh, skate the infinity abyss. <laughs> oh no, I heard I heard you want you just wanted skate into the abyss. You just want <laughs> them your these boys to go into a pit. And experience unimaginable horrors. Yes, that is what I want. That is what I want more than anything else. In fact, oh I changed my answer back from the uh, question about the the skate and free crossover. That is what it is now. The boys from Skate the Infinity and the boys from Free go down into the abyss and experience untold horrors. That that is my answer. And they have to figure oh whether or not it's ethically okay to eat babies. Um. Okay, folks. But no, really. Awesome's out of awesome. Oh, God. Infinity out of awesome? 
Ah. That sounds too numerical for this podcast. <laughs> One Canadian boyfriend of awesome. <laughs> you can hope. <laughs> Doug? I said infinity out of awesome. Yeah, okay, infinity. fine. I'll I'll pick you off, Kevin. Where you know one, two bros that frankly could honestly go in either direction with the relationship, and I'd believe it. They really could. I never talked about that in this episode, and I'm not sure if I wanted to or if I was consciously staying away from the subject. Uh, but yeah, two bros out of awesome, out of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this has been the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. It is edited masterfully by Anna. You can find her online at places at Angel Darkfire, where the middle A, the A in the middle is gone. It's missing. It's secret. Our theme is done by DJ Inabito. You can find them at djinabito.com. Our website is osmcst.com, awesomecast.com, where you can find things like our Patreon, like we mentioned before. We have now released our first awesome bonus episode, where we talk about a different form of battle anime. Our Discord, where you can come talk to us about skate or all sorts of things. We also do ask for you to leave reviews. Give us the five stars on Apple Podcasts with a review or on Spotify if you still use that. And you don't even have to leave like actual text. It's just just the, the stars. Just give us the five stars. The Awesome Cast is on Twitter at AwesomeCast. My Twitter is at its basal time. Kevin, your Twitter is uh twitless underscore Kevin. <laughs> Doug don't got none. I'm a mystery. That said, I do have a Twitch that you can find at its basal time, and I've been doing a much better job recently actually using it. I just finished playing Final Fantasy 1 as the Pixel Remaster. It's done. It's finished. Kevin, your Fists of Fury were very powerful. Yay. <laughs> I am currently, as of us recording, have been playing through Final Fantasy 2, the original Japanese version, and man, that has been an experience... And it's actually been pretty fun. And I'm not the biggest Saga fan, so I find that interesting. <laughs> Anywho, you can find other awesome cast members like on Twitters and things, like Dylan's got Dylan Wolf, John's J5, it's live. Anywho, this has been the Awesome Cast. Thank you for listening. We out. I don't know what the McElroys say, even. Oh shit, Kojima just posted a picture of him with Michael Bay. Oh, God. <laughs>